Welcome to Ambo TV. Each week we bring you dynamic sermons from next generation pastors from across the country. And as always, they're bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. And then we discuss them right here in studio. How cool is that? I'm Dean, always festive Windsor. And today we have an exciting show for you. We have sermons from Washington, New York, and Georgia. They're going to be super, super awesome. And first up is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. And his sermon is called All in the family, not like the sitcom, but he's talking about how we should treat each other in the church family. Next, we go to Poughkeepsie, New York, to Valley Christian Church with one of Ambo TV's favorite guest pastors, Pastor Stephen Francis, and he's talking about how to be rich. Spoiler alert, the sermon is not about how you're about to make a lot of money. Lastly, we go to Warner Robins, Georgia, to Hope Church with Pastor Jordan Poole. His sermon is called, I Want all the smoke. Not exactly beef, but he's using the story of the three Hebrew boys to tell us what we can learn about the fires in our life. This is going to be a really, really good and insightful show, so stick around, and I'll be joined in studio by Brooklyn's own Pastor Alex Williams of Institutional International Ministries right here in Brooklyn, New York. He's back to help me break down these messages. We're going to get right back to him, but right now, I want to get to Vancouver, Washington, and Pastor Daniel Fusco. A great church, we have to learn how to help one another. You need to learn how to help one another. That we're there for one another. That we meet one another. And we link up arms together to help us through the situations of life. Now in this case, I want you to notice that the Apostle Paul, notice what he says in, in, in the middle of verse 24. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you if first I may enjoy your company for a little while. Now notice he's saying to the church in Rome, I really want to go to Spain, but I want to come to you and then... I'd like your help to get to Spain, all right? So, so this letter, Paul's letter to the Romans is really a support missionary letter. He's saying, I wanna bring the gospel to Spain, but I gotta come to you and I'm hoping that you'll help me, right? But not only that, not only is Paul seeking help, but notice what he says next, verse 25. But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints there. He's saying, hey, but before I come to you, I gotta go to Jerusalem and I got to minister to the people of God in Jerusalem. So not only is Paul seeking to be helped, he's helping in the process. And then notice what he says next, verse 26. For it pleased those in Macedonia and Acacia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. You know what he's saying? He's like, the churches in Macedonia and in Acacia, they put money together that I'm going to deliver to help those who are impoverished in Jerusalem. So what you're seeing here is the global church of this day, they're helping one another. They're coordinating their efforts and they're working together to get the work of the gospel done. See, at best, the church is a place where people help one another. Now, here's the deal, my friends. The single greatest way for you to help and be helped by other people is to be in a community group. Why? Because if, like, let's say all of us here today, and over all of our services, there'll be thousands of people who are here at Crossroads today. But like, who knows what's going on in your life right now? Maybe if you came in and you just found a seat and you didn't really talk to anybody and then the service is over, then you find your way out back to your car. Nobody knows what's going on in your life. But if you're in a community group and now there are people who are sharing their lives together, now all of a sudden when things come up, people know about it. I just saw this, we, you know, we lost uh, one, of our, one of the folks who helped build this church. We just lost, she went home to be with the Lord. 
And what was beautiful in the midst of the sorrow of losing a loved one is to see people who've been walking together for so long talking about how they've been there for one another. And this challenging season is our, our sister Mary had gotten sick and was struggling. People come by with meals, come by with help, doing yard work. Why? Because you're in community. And the people of God are the best when we know what's going on and we can find a way to help. See, Paul is coordinating community. I want to bring the gospel to Spain, right? I would love your help to get there, but I need to first go to Jerusalem because there are people in Jerusalem who are impoverished and the churches in Macedonia and Acacia, they've put together some money to go help. See, and as a church family, we do so much of this. There's nothing I get more encouraged with is when I hear stories of, hey, this is what's going on in this group of people. But they're not coming to the pastors and saying, hey, we need your help. They're saying, no, no, we're here. We see the need. We meet the needs. And in a lot of ways, I want to continue to encourage all of you to find the gaps in the lives of people you love in your community and figure out how you can meet that need. What can you do? Now, I realize, of course, that when we talk about just helping one another, that many of us have been hurt or burnt out by, there are some people who always need help and never can help. Now, can we talk about that for a second? If you have people in your life who are always needing and never can actually get help and then be a help, then I believe your job in their life is not just to give them what they need. You know the old saying, if, 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 someone, if, someone's, if you give somebody a fish, they'll eat for a day. If you teach them to fish, they'll eat for a lifetime. If you have someone in your life who is perpetually in need, then your job is to disciple them so that they can take care of themselves, especially if they're an adult. If they're children, obviously it's different, right? But if they're grown up, then if they're not acting like a grown up, then our job is to disciple them into being grown up. Now, listen, if you're here today and you're hearing this, maybe you're joining us online or whatever, and you're one of those people who are always in need, listen, God wants to grow you up, okay? God does not want you to be somebody who's always needing from people. You come, you get well, and then you take care of yourself, and then you have more to give. Now, we live in a day and age, obviously, where there are always some, there will always be some people, probably in every generation, there will always be some people who are always needing, Right? But that's a discipleship problem. But what many of us do is because we've maybe known or been hurt in the past by somebody who's needed, then what we do is we think everyone's always going to be needy. And then what you end up doing is, is you miss out on the opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus in people's lives. So we, want, we need to strike that sweet spot, right? Where we help when we can. When we realize that someone is always needing help, then we come alongside them in more of a mentoring role, a, a building up a discipling role and say, listen, you don't want to live this way. You're, you're an adult, right? You need to take care of your business. You know, and you realize in the Bible, the apostle Paul says things like, well, if someone won't work, what won't they do? If you don't work, you don't eat. So, so the apostle Paul is not looking to make people dependent upon other people. All right, pastor. Daniel Fusco talking about something that's really, really important to Christians everywhere, I think. And Pastor Alex, Alex Williams, excuse me, I'm sorry, back to help me kind of break this down. So, sir. So, well, thank you. First of all, welcome back. Oh, man. Back like Mace. Thank you, brother. Back <laughs> like Mace. This is what I'm talking about. We have some really cool conversations behind the scenes. Um, so now, Pastor Daniel Fusco is really talking about how we have to help. And, and, and it's mm. part of our duty as Christians to help. But what if we identify someone as one of these 
chronic, you know, asker for helpers. Helpers. That's mm. all they want to do is just ask for help. Right. They've gotten comfortable in that lifestyle, and when you say no, nope, that's enough. Look, here's how I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you advice, and they push back. Nope, I don't want to hear that. You're not helping me anymore. Bye. Like, how do we approach somebody like that? I mean, it's a great question, and it's very difficult. Um, when I was in school, um, I studied psychology, and there's this condition called learned helplessness, where literally you are in a place where you're just comfortable with your situation, you're comfortable, and it's almost um, hard to get out of that. You know, people sometimes uh, prefer familiar bondage over foreign freedom, mm. right? Okay. So it, it's just crazy to, to escape from that place. It's 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 it's. It's hard, yeah. but um, something in churches, and, I, and Pastor mentioned it earlier, is connect groups are really helpful. Or if you find yourself, or if there's a, a, a ability for a church to have small groups, because you have that reinforcement. It's okay. not just one person telling you you need to do better, but literally being around people mm. helps you to kind of elevate to another level because whatever, who you ever, whoever you're around is contagious, right? Yeah. So if you're around people who are progressing, then you will attract that, that will be attracted to you. But if you're around or if you're isolating yourself or you're kind of in that situation where everybody's just kind of giving you pity parties, you'll stay in that condition. <laughs> yeah, that's the funny part too, is that everybody knows that negative energy, you kind of absorb that, of course. but nobody wants to be around and say, hey, this positive energy is really what we need to be around and what we need to absorb. Indeed. Um, we're gonna get back to more Pastor Daniel Fusco and positive energy, but right now we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing you next generation pastors from across the country. Before the break, we were listening to Pastor Daniel Fusco, but right now I want to get to Pastor Stephen Francis in Poughkeepsie, New York. You know, a context that really showed me how this is true was a few years ago when I went on another mission trip, but this was a mission trip to Haiti. Now, for anyone that doesn't know, Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. It is a beautiful country, it is a beautiful people, but they struggle in their economy. In fact, in 2010, there was the tragic earthquake that happened in Port-au-Prince. And when we went there several years ago, there were still people living in those refuge tents since 2010, because they just don't have the infrastructure to build better homes and things for themselves. What made this mission trip kind of funny, too, though, was uh, it was a high school mission trip, and I was the only black leader. All of the other students and all of the other leaders were not black. So everywhere we went, when the Haitian people saw me, they thought I was like their guide or their translator. So they would constantly see me and be like, and I'm like, Sakpa, what? Like, what? What, it, what? But there was one part of the trip, and this is the reason why I bring it up. There was one part of the trip where we got to meet with some Christian farmers. And, and the students were asking these farmers questions, and the, and the farmers were telling them how basically, you know, uh, how the earthquake has affected them and how they're dealing with a lot of health issues. And they, they, they want to do some things with their crops, but the, 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 the rain hasn't been as supportive to make that happen. And, and the students basically became very discouraged hearing a lot of the things that these Christian uh, farmers were dealing with. 
So eventually, one of the students raised their hands and they said, how do you still believe in God when he hasn't given you the things that you want? Now, these farmers, they, they spoke a little bit of English, but they still needed help. So when the student asked that question, they were confused. So they kept looking at me like, what's she saying? What, what, I don't get, what, what, what is she saying? And I'm looking at them like, I don't know what you're saying. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to help in this situation. And eventually one of the farmers, he stopped and he, and, and he said, you know what, let me, let me try my best here. I believe your question is, how do we serve a God that has not given us what we want? We do believe that by faith, God will give us the things that we want. But we also believe by faith that God is already everything we need. And when he said that, I had a Holy Ghost shouting moment in my heart. Because that's the way I want to live my life. I don't want my life, I don't want my prayers, I don't want anything in my life when it comes to Jesus to be predicated upon what he's given me or what I've attained for myself. Because as long as I've lived my life, I'll tell you this, there is nothing I have ever bought that has ever gotten me healing in my life. There is nothing I have ever bought that has ever fixed my marriage. There is nothing in my closet right now that has given me the ability to forgive the people that have hurt me in the past. But there is one man, there is one name that has saved me from my sins, that has delivered me from all types of troubles and tribulations. There's only one name given unto man which by we can be saved, and that name, church, is Jesus Christ. Can I get a good amen in here? Pastor Stephen Francis sharing his trip to Haiti and some of the cool experiences that happened, and they, they met these farmers who had lost legit all of their crops and still faithful, still, you know, holding on strong. How do we, you know, get there to like, oh, house burnt down, cool, like lost my job, I'm good, you know, I got Jesus, so I'm, I'm good with all that. Like, it sounds great. <laughs> it sounds I great. wanna be there, <laughs> like, I wanna get there. So how, like, how do we get there? Is, is this achievable? Like for the normal city person to get there. Right, the normal American that lives in a capitalistic society yeah, that has a lot of value on monies and, and things like that. I mean, we have to get to a point where we recognize that Jesus is enough. Mm. That we call him, for example, we call him Jehovah Jireh, who's our provider. Okay. So we recognize that our value and our, our what we value and what we earn is not based on our job, it's not based mm. on uh, the economy, the president, it's based on God. So when we really have that dependency on him, we recognize that even if I lose my job, if I have God, the creator, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, I have everything that I need. Because he'll provide. Yeah. The Bible says, um, for my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Right? See, and I love that, man. That, that makes perfect sense to me because I was just saying that about Christmas gifts this year because I didn't know what, how I was going to make things happen. But I know God is definitely there behind. He's got yeah. my back and he's going to help me make it happen this yeah. year. And we did make it happen this year. Uh, we're going to get back to more Pastor Stephen Francis, but right now I want to go ahead and throw it over to Pastor Jordan Poole down south, Georgia. Let's go ahead and make it happen. How do you know the, the access to joy that you have if you've never opened that door? How, how do you know that you're, yeah, you're blessed and highly favored, but do you know what that means? Do, do you know? I believe that there is things that activate favor in your life. 
Generosity is one of them. But if I don't understand that, I'll be greedy. If I don't understand that, I'll be stingy. Therefore, I won't walk in who I'm supposed to be. Are you with me? Say resolve. And 1 Corinthians 3 says the fire is going to come to test what kind it is. This is the fire that tests. The next thing that the fire comes to test is relationships. Mm-hmm. The fire comes to test your relationships. Relationships. All three of these young men had to be committed not just to each other. They had to be committed to standing together. Are you hearing me? They had to be committed to each other. Shadrach could not be all in if, if Meshach and Abednego said they were all in. And then when they saw the flames said, hey, good luck, man. I don't need, I don't know about you, I don't need people like that in my life. I know you don't need people like that in your life that say they got your back, that say they're with you, and then when the heat gets turned up a little bit, you start going through something, you start battling something, all of a sudden, they are, they are incog, uh, I'm going to use incog Abednego. They are, they are incognito. They, they have disappeared. Don't put that on Facebook. That'll be a, that's the context thing. You got to be here to hear it. They, they, <laughs> They're nowhere to be found. I don't need people like that. You can't build a church with people who ain't willing to stand in some fire. You can't tear down racism with a church who's afraid to approach that stronghold. You can't tear down racism. I'm going to keep pressing that. You can't tear down racism acting one way in here and then go tell you funny little jokes with everybody of the same skin color over there. I don't, I need you, I don't care if you vouch for me when I'm in front of you. True, you know, true loyalty is when, is when I'm not there and you speak up on my behalf. I don't care if you celebrate me and while I'm there, that's great, that's all nice. I need to know you got my back even when I ain't in the room. These are people who can stand a fire. And those, and those who don't associate with those who want me to lose. Does that make sense? Because how can you say we are in covenant together, but yet you're associating with Nebuchadnezzar? You're praying for me, but you're associated with the one I'm praying that God would remove or help me fight or help me deal with. Ooh. I feel like I just like stepped on... Just a little bit of something. I've seen it too much. And, and, and sadly, I've seen it in church too much. And, and sadly, it's, these are things that can tear down churches. But I need to know that you got my back. If you are 
I, I would ask you to do this, to take a, just an inventory of those that you're walking in life with right now and ask yourself and evaluate, are they as committed to me as I am to them? All right, Pastor Jordan Poole, bringing it as always, real people do real things. So fire burns, you know, long falls, break bones, water drowns, you know, these are all, the we're afraid, there's things that we're just naturally afraid of. Right. So it's kind of the crux of what he's saying, as long as we have 100% faith in God that we'll be cool, like we're sheltered, we're in a bubble, like help me out with what he's. <laughs> <laughs> so he's basically talking about the fire and the pressure and okay. what it produces. Right. Okay. So there's a scripture that says that when he has tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. Okay. When when things are put in fire, it is perfected. Mm. Like when you go to the gym, you know, we work out. You yeah. can't just lift baby weights, but the more <laughs> weight that you lift, yeah. the more resistance it is on that on you, the okay. stronger you become. So it really proves who you are as a Christian when you are pressured, when you're going through the fire, when you're going through the storm. So it's kind of this trial by fire and fire being the purifier. Exactly. And it also produces perseverance and strength and endurance for greater challenges. So is this something that we're going to have to deal with like our whole lives? <laughs> is constantly being like, you know, the fire is going to always come to us? Is this something that we have to prep ourselves for? Well, well, think about it this way. Each fire or each storm or each challenge prepares you for the next. All right. And so if you are faithful over a few things, he'll make you ruler over greater things. All right, I like it. Because sometimes I'm feeling a little sunburnt. I got to be honest with everyone. The fire is in my life constantly, and I'm feeling a little sunburnt right now. But we're going we're gonna to get to that a little later. Right now, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Jordan Poole, but right now, I want to get back to Pastor Daniel Fusco in Vancouver, Washington. What does this mean? And this is important for all of us. You and I need to make sure we finish well and then do the next thing. We need to finish well and then do the next thing. See, Paul is saying... Because, you know, Paul wants to go to Rome. He wants to go to Spain, but he's got something to do beforehand. And one of the things that I've learned is that it's easy to start things. It's hard to finish things, right? It's easy to begin strong, but it's hard to end strong. And Paul's like, look, I'm going to finish this thing well. Now, let's just, let's just be honest about our culture. We live in a culture of options, Right? And because we live in a culture of options, why does we get something? We want the next thing. Like, we, we never actually want to be where we are. Right? And say, like I remember what it was like to, when you're in high school, I'm like, I just can't wait to get this thing done so I can go to college. Then you start college, and then a couple years in, you're like, I can't wait to get this thing done because I want to make me some money. Right? And then you get a job, and right as the novelty of that wears off in a New York minute, you're like, I can't wait to retire. Right? And so everything's about the next thing. When you're single, you can't wait to be married. When you're married, you can't wait to have kids. When you have kids, then you can't wait to be single again and be, and be free of the kids. I'm just kidding. But we live in a culture that we've lost the art of faithfulness to finish well. Let me ask you right now, what are you not finishing well on right now? What are you not finishing well on right now? Paul's saying, look, this thing, I need to accomplish this. I want to make sure that I seal this gift to the church in Jerusalem. And then when that's finished, 
Then I'm going to go. And I'm going to come to you. And when I come to you, then I'm going to come. And he says, in the fullness. And I, I love his language. He is confident that God wants to do a work. He's like, that I will come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. And in a lot of ways, as amplifiers, if you're here today and you are born again, everywhere that you are, you should be there in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Jesus. And you and I, when we finish well, when we finish well, that is one of the ways that we live out the fullness of the gospel. Because did Jesus finish well? Absolutely. All the way, Jesus finished what's important. Now, here's what I want to encourage you. The key to finishing well is doing what's right in front of you. If you're married, do that well. Invest in that. If you're single, do that well. Invest in that. If those circumstances change, do that well. Invest it. Do you have kids? Do that well. Invest in it. If you're at a job right now, even if you want to get a, a new job, finish that thing well, right? And then once you complete it, then do the next thing. And that's a key to life because I think what happens for many of us is we get so excited about the next thing that we drop the thing that we're in the middle of and then we wonder why people don't think that Jesus really changes people's lives because we're dropping things all over the place. We're not finishing things well. But I love the Apostle Paul because the Apostle Paul's like, listen, I want to come, but I got to finish this. And I want to seal the, the fruit of this gift to the church in Jerusalem. I want to make sure that I accomplish this. And then I'm going to go to Spain, but I'm going to come to you first. And when I come, I'm going to bring all the blessings of God. Because Christ is in me. He's got that confidence in Christ. All right, man. So I, I'm kind of one of these people that, <laughs> that pastors are talking about. You know, I always want to get things done. I want to get things off my plate quick because right. I want to move on to the next project, the mm -hmm. next experience, because life is short. That's what we've always been told, right? right. And you want to always kind of keep it moving. How do we slow down and, and just kind of, you know, finish things correctly, finish things the right, right. way? I mean, we're literally in a Pop-Tart generation where we have no patience. We want things to happen so quickly. Yeah. But at the same time, what gives you more nutrients, a Pop-Tart or a well-cooked meal? Ah, all right. <laughs> Sometimes you yeah. literally just have to slow down and breathe and be a good steward over what's in front of you. Okay. Because what's in front of you and how you handle it, how you manage it, will de literally determine how you manage everything else in life. Mm. If you're not focused on your wife that's right in front of you or your children that's right in front of you, how can you essentially manage the rest of your life or uh, be an example in the church as uh, somebody who can steward things well if you're not essentially putting focus on what's ahead of you and what's right in front of you. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a lot of pressure too, you know, for, for just for a pastor too, right. you know, because people are always looking to you to kind of be that example. How do you handle that kind of pressure? Um, I'm, focus. Okay. Literally, 2020, right? It's coming around, yeah. around the corner. Hindsight. But, yeah. but, but, but focusing on the task at hand and not being so consumed of what's next. Because how can you manage what's next if you can't steward yeah. what you have in front of you? Yeah, such a well-put-together young man. I love having Pastor Alex on the show. <laughs> right now, we're going to go ahead and throw it to another very well-focused young pastor, Pastor Stephen Francis in Poughkeepsie, New York. Let's go ahead and check him out. I don't want you to miss what's happening here. In Luke 18, Jesus said, it is impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. In Luke 19, a rich man enters the kingdom of heaven. 
The only difference between the two is that one person came to Jesus trying to get something from Jesus, realizing that the cost was too high. The other person had an interaction with Jesus that says, Jesus, you deserve everything. I surrender it all to you. And I believe that this is how we encounter true change in our lives. I want to know here today, have you had an encounter with Jesus that changes the things that you chase after? There is nothing wrong with riches. There is nothing wrong with wealth. And scripture even says whatever you give away in, in, as a form of generosity, God will give it back in multitude. But the purpose of this message today is to ask you, are you living your life to give Jesus all that you have? Or is Jesus just another part of your business plan? Is he part of you just being sure that when you die, you inherit something else? Because I believe that Jesus has way more for us today. You know, there was a um, person, very popular music artist this past week. Uh, that made a declaration that he has given his life to Jesus. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, his last name is the opposite of East, if you need a clue. And he came out with this album called Jesus is King. And, you know, you are right to have whatever opinion you have about this person's character, about his uh, legitimacy of the, his conversion, or even the quality of his music. I'm not here to debate any of that. But when I heard the record... I heard the first song on the record, which is a choir singing every hour, every minute, every second, each and every millisecond, I need you, Jesus. I need you, God. And I, I enjoy that song, but as great as that song is to hear, as great as that song is to sing, I also have to ask myself, is that the actual position of my heart today? Do I need Jesus in my life, or do I just need more of Jesus' stuff in my life? There's a difference between the two. So I want to ask, more so challenge you in this. In knowing that your handling of wealth indicates what you worship. And this is bigger than money. This is what you do with your time all of your resources. If my wife and son came to church every Sunday looking raggedy and crusty, but I had the nicest sneakers on every time we came in, that shows what I worship. That shows what my values are. What does what you spend your money and time on say about you? And I'm not saying, and this isn't a tithing message, this isn't a message to guilt you into giving more and doing more, because again, that is not where the answer is. The question is, does what I do with my wealth, with the things that God has given me, indicate that there is someone greater in my life? And I want to challenge you with this next thing as well, to not confuse your source with your resource. A resource is money or materials. It's something that helps you to perform some function. But a source is a place from which you can obtain something useful or valuable. We cannot lean on our job to get us through life. We cannot lean 
on our income or our abundance of things to get us through life. We have to lean on Jesus. Every good and perfect gift came from him. So it is him that we seek. It is him that we trust in and depend on. All right, shout out to Pastor Stephen Francis. Uh, myself and the Ambo TV crew were actually just on his podcast. Great guy. Oh, we okay. talked about some cool stuff. Yeah, so uh, what he's talking about now, he's talking about, he's touching on Kanye. And, uh, you love know, the, the Kanye he, reference. I love it too. <laughs> so he's, he's talking about the whole every hour, every minute, every second, every millisecond, Jesus needs to be in my life. Mm -hmm. um, I can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, I'm not one of those multitasking people. So how do I, like, as I'm grocery shopping, mm -hmm. am I supposed to be singing a hymn at the same time? Like, <laughs> can you help me out in what he's trying to tell us we got to do here? I mean, definitely. You you can attest more than I can because, Dean, you're a husband, right? I am. I'm, oh. I'm not married. Okay. <laughs> so it, it's, it's like, literally, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you are still a husband. Okay. So when you go grocery shopping, the way you spend your money, there's an awareness that, hey, I better not buy this. Or if oh. you're at the car dealership, I can't make this decision be without consulting my wife because okay. I'm a husband. So it's the same thing with, with your relationship with God. It's more of an awareness. Hmm. You know, always remember Jesus. Always keep him on your mind. Is that anything, anything I do, what I spend my time on, when I have conversations, is it focused? What is it focused on? Is God at the forefront when I'm starting to make decisions? And when I have interactions, is God at the forefront? That's specifically what it is he's talking about just having Jesus at the forefront yeah because I feel guilty sometimes like if I think you know there, there's times when I wake up in the morning and, and I'll forget like I'll just I'll just go to brush my teeth first the right. most guilt-ridden thing is looking at your phone first oh, before man. you thank God for waking you up and you look at your phone <laughs> to me that is the right. most like I just feel for the rest of that kind of set the tone now I feel like a now I feel like a big giant jerk for the rest just of the day. Say thank you, Jesus, with bad breath. You know. I like it. See, we'll get back to more <laughs> Pastor Alex teaching me how to be a better Christian. But right now, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, home of next generation pastors. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Stephen Francis, but right now I want to get back to Pastor Jordan Poole. Let's go ahead and check him out. That's where some of you are stuck right now. You're so caught up in why, 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 and it's kept you paralyzed. And you're not moving forward with your life because you're trying to calculate and try to figure out why it all happened that way. And you're missing out on moving forward. And God is trying to pull you out today to say, just rely on my sovereignty. You won't be able to understand it right now. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts as the heavens are above the earth. Do you know how far the heavens are above the earth? No, me neither. I'm just asking you that there are so much higher. How many more galaxies and universes pass between the heavens and the earth. That's how high God's thoughts are above ours. What I've been praying lately, if there is such a thing, is God, can I just have your lowest thought? Your lowest thought would change my biggest problem. In the meantime, I'm just going to have to rely on you. And rely on the sovereignty of you, God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I got to rely on the sovereignty. Yeah, yeah, I love how this story is. 
I'm, I'm, I'm finishing. It says, Nebuchadnezzar filled with rage. They couldn't control him, so they just tried to destroy him. He gets mighty men from his army to come and bind up these three. Hands and feet in their clothes, coats, turbans. Some theologians believe they bound them up with all their clothes on because they would catch fire quicker. And, and then they, watch this, take them up to the furnace. Here they are at the furnace door. Remember, this thing's heated up seven times hotter. Scholars will say that the reason it was cranked up seven times hotter is because Babylon believed in seven different gods. So he did it to honor pagan gods. The devil's so stupid. There's no concoction, there's no equation that the enemy can configure to destroy your life. They open the door. And the Bible says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are about to be thrown in. So logic says the men who are pushing them in are behind them, right? Can we just go with that logic? And even, even on the side, whatever. But those three boys are closer to the fire than these. And the Bible says the men who threw them in got killed by the flames. If I'm a bystander and I'm sitting here observing this, okay, these men in the army, they were pushing them in. They weren't the closest to the doors. And they got killed, but those three fell in still breathing. I'm, I'm, hey, we need to reassess what we're doing here. Because I just watched these guys get killed and they were further away, but these three went in still and it didn't kill them. This is different. But when the enemy is so hell-bent on destroying you, it don't matter if it destroys anything, any, anything of the enemy. Isn't that something when people don't matter how hurt they get as long as you get hurt too? And they get in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar evidently is looking because God will always give your enemy a window into your deliverance. put three in there I could have sworn we put three in there we did are you sure because right now what I'm seeing don't match up what the plan was because right now I'm looking into this fire and I see four and they ain't bound up anymore. I see four men loose 
And they ain't, they, ain't stand, they ain't paralyzed. They ain't stuck. They ain't crying. They ain't weeping. But my Bible says they're walking around. They're stretching. They, I mean, they're stretching. They're stretching. They're walking around the fire. They're walking around like this. Hey, hey, y'all going to Five Guys later? We're going to get something to eat? Is that what we're doing? Okay, after this, after this, after this. See, see, some of y'all think the fire you're in was sent to teach you a lesson. But I want you to know the fire you're in, God wants you to teach your fire a lesson. It ain't there. The fire you're in ain't there to teach you a lesson. You're in it to teach it a lesson. You're there to teach debt a lesson. You're there to teach sickness a lesson. You're there to teach relationship problems a lesson. You're there to teach depression a lesson. You are there to teach your fire a lesson. I'm walking around in it. I'm walking around in it. You know why? Because I want all the smoke. I want all of it. Bring it. Whatever you got, my God is able. Yeah, it might, it might be a, a tough few days. It might be a tough challenge, but I'm, a, I'm just going to get comfortable and walk around in this thing. I'm going to activate my body. I'm going to activate my faith in the midst of the fire. All right, Pastor Jordan Poole bringing it old school with the organ. You brought the heat. Yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm here for it. Today. I really am. <laughs> I'm here for it. So now, the, in the story he's talking about, it, you know, God did this in such a public and and such a public way, and it was such a spectacle. Like, but it could have been like super tragic. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're talking about people in this furnace. Right. Why, why would God choose to do such, you know, a, a potentially tragic thing in such a public way? I mean, it. As much as it seems like it could have been yeah. tragic, it wouldn't have been tra tragic. Why? Because God's name was on the line. God's okay. reputation was on the line. Literally, we have three Hebrew boys who, cho who chose God over idols. So if God knows that his name is on the line, he's never going to allow you to be in a position where he is, looks like a failure, where he looks like uh, he's not a deliverer. Some of us have gone through situations that have been so public and dealt with embarrassment that was so public. And God sometimes uses that to show others that I am a deliverer, that I am a keeper. God gets no glory if, if, if nobody knows your story. I love it. <laughs> I didn't mean to rhyme there. He wrote that TM. <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, how does God get the glory if nobody knows what you go through? Yeah. I mean, seriously, how, how does he get the glory? Yeah, no, this makes sense. And, and this actually makes perfect sense to me. You know, there, there's plenty of other stories in the Bible where God has waited until there's enough people around to right. see his works happen. Right. So this way, like, there, there's no denying. I mean, everywhere from Jesus to Moses. Right. To right. the, you know, I mean, everything that Moses went through, too, with Pharaoh was kind of like God was, was there every step of the way, like, yeah, he no. had to prove, like all all of the things that he caused, um, the, the plagues that he caused, it was yeah. all to show the Egyptians that I am God. And no matter what you do, I'm going to reign and I have dominion and I have power and I am the Lord Jesus. I am the Lord God. Yeah, no, and this is the common theme. And I think this is a common theme here at Ambo TV anyway, is that God's always here. God's got the power. God is the one that keeps us going. And he's, uh, he's always pretty much watching over us. So yeah. we're going to go ahead and take another break, but we'll be right back with more Ambo TV.
And if you're someone today that wants to be impactful in that way, I just want to encourage you with this simple prayer that you can pray every day. Ask God, who can I bless today? All right, Pastor Stephen Francis rounding out the show for us today. And as we do at the end of every show, I'd like to ask our guests to uh, give the folks at home a Bible passage that kind of goes along with that last clip that we just watched. I mean, certainly. Uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul encourages us and tells us that the strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. So, I mean, I, I ask you today, who are you helping? Who are you building up? Who have you seen that's down and out and you've given an encouraging word to or you've helped to build up? Because we're in this together, we're not by ourselves, but the strong, if you are strong and you see somebody's weak, build them up to where you are, all for the sake of Christ. Super strong ending. I love that message, oh, Pastor man. Alex. Yes, sir. All right, thank you for coming, man. Ooh, please, boy. please, please come back again soon. You know we love having you here. Man, you gotta have me back. I I'll be back. You call me, I'm here. Absolutely, yes, all right, I love it. <laughs> And to our partnering churches, Crossroads Community Church with Pastor Daniel Fusco, Valley Christian Church with Pastor Stephen, and Hope Church with Pastor Jordan Poole. Thank you guys for those inspiring messages. Please keep them coming to see those complete sermons and other great sermons. Head over to AmboTV.com. We always have great content for you guys there. And uh, you can sign up for our daily newsletter if you haven't already. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast. It's on iTunes and Spotify. I don't know what your excuse for not listening is. Thank you guys for watching. Good night, and I'll see you next week.